How's everybody's week this week? That bad? Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, um, I was as I was thinking as I was thinking about challenging. Yeah, Sly's. If you hadn't noticed, Sly's hobbling around over here. She she broke her pinky toe yesterday, which is why she was sitting. You never really you see her sitting during worship. So no matter what you did encounter throughout this week, no matter what you went through or are still in the middle of, the cool thing about it is that you can know that what you went through wasn't an accident, it was on purpose, and it was for your good. <laughs> that makes you like, what are you talking about, you saying, John? <laughs> Everything that the Lord brings us through, it's not an accident. We're not kind of like floating around, like bumping through life to see like what's next. Like God is sovereign. He's in control of it all. And in the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, it promises us that for all of those that love God and are called for his purpose, everything that you encounter, like everything that he allows into your life, it works for your good. He's doing something with it. But it's also not an easy process. Like we talked about last week, we were talking about being pruned. Everyone that is productive, everyone that, that the Lord is doing something in, well, he comes alongside and prunes us so that we can be even more productive. And I know, I know a few of us in this place, if not the majority, we're feeling the pinch of that prune. We're getting pruned. But it's a good thing. It's for our own good. You know, I had a friend who um, recently went to the doctor because they were having some strange uh, ailments, some strange symptoms happening in their body. They weren't feeling well. And so they went to the doctor to say, what, you know, what's going on? And they, so they examined and looked at what's going on, and they said, listen, you, you're just stressed out. And so the question came as, well, if this is stress, why is it like manifesting in my body causing like, you know, this symptom in my neck or this pain over in my side? Like, how is that stress? And the doctor said this to him. They said, stress is funny because it, it, can, it can affect any part of your body. And when you become stressed, it will show itself in the weakest place. So when you're under stress, whatever is the weakest place in your immune system or in your body, like whatever you're fighting and your immune system is trying to keep off, it just doesn't have the strength anymore. And, and that's where the stress reveals itself, which I think is so interesting because that's a principle that doesn't just work physically, like it shows itself in our body. But when we're stressed as well, when we're going through changes and transitions, even spiritually, the way that we respond those transitions, those, ch those changes, and the stress that it causes upon us, it reveals the weakness in our character. It reveals weaknesses in us that the Lord is trying to work out. He's trying to draw something out of us so that he can heal us from it. He wants us to become stronger on the inside. He wants us to grow in our identity and who we are uh, as sons and daughters of the living God. And this is why I'm so grateful for the Lord's promise in John 14, 16, if you want to read that later. In John 14, 16 is where Jesus, he said, I'm going to send you, I'm giving you a helper. We're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it with the helper that he's given to us. He gave it to us for a reason. We need it. And every time we try to strive and do it without him, then we're destined for trouble then that hard tra transition, those hard things we go through, they're only going to be even harder because we're not tapping into the helper that he's given us that wants to be there. We're meant to do it with the helper, the Holy Spirit. 
And we're meant to do it together in community. Because as we pursue Christ, he pushes us back towards one another. We need to live in community. So what I want to do today is I want to look at some of these transitions and some of these changes and, and how that can help grow us and how the Lord can teach us through some of these changes. And I'm excited to invite one of our own, our own Carol, Miss Carolyn Sugart to come and join us this morning. Feel free to have a seat. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much for being willing to come. And, and for those of you who, who are not already acquainted with Miss Carolyn, uh, she has been at this church long before, probably, yeah, maybe half of us were even born. Um, <laughs> Since 1974. There we go. <laughs> off and on, off and on. Yeah, so um, she wanted me to, to make sure that you know she's 79 years old, years young. <laughs> And along from working, it was 30 years in the, for the federal government right. and having multiple children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, um, she now is in the process of pursuing her doctorate degree um, from, what is the name of the, the program? North Carolina College of Theology. It's, mm -hmm. uh, in the, the, it'll be in theology. I have a bachelor's yeah. and a master's in theology now. Yeah, and, and she's that. now pursuing the doctorate, and she's actually leaving us in the next couple of days to move back down to North Carolina and continue that degree, um, which I think is so cool. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. <clears throat> you know, the other thing that's neat is this, is that so, so she's an author, among other things, and she's writ she authored a book about four, three or four years ago called You Raise Me Up. And not only this, I think it's so neat that not only did, oh, here it is. There's the cover of your book, You Raised Me Up. But along with Carolyn is also Miss Margaret. I don't know if she's with us here this morning. But, oh, there's Miss Margaret here. Miss, Mar Miss Margaret is 85 years young, who is also an author in our midst. And I think it's cool, like the two oldest women amongst our congregation are both authors and have lived lives exemplary for us. They have stories and experience that they've lived through that if we just tune in a little bit, that we can learn from their experience so now we can take and spring forward even further, right? So we can learn from one another. And this is why, too, I've asked you to come and, and share a little bit about your life and what the Lord has shown you and, and revealed to you. Okay, so. well, thank you. Tell me where to start. Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his dog and pony show, right? <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know what? Can you just tell us a little bit first? Because So you were raised um, by a Church of Christ minister. Yeah, my, my father, uh, my parents were Church of Christ. Uh, he was My dad was a minister and a domestic missionary. And then eventually, after I got married, he was a foreign missionary. He was in Hong Kong for five years. Um, so, yeah, I grew up uh, the daughter of a, of a minister. And actually, he was, he, he was like the Apostle Paul. He was a church planter instead of a church waterer. So he would go places and plant churches, and when it got on its feet, then he would move on and do something else. And uh, as a result of that, I went to seven high schools uh, on the East Coast, the West Coast, and in Texas. And uh, it, it was interesting. He'd come home, and he'd tell my mother, he said, we're moving to, you know, Texas in, in 10 days. <laughs> And uh, it, it, we were drug around like rag dolls. Uh, <laughs> well, that uh, explains why you're always up for an adventure, though. 
Yeah, but he was a wonderful man. He was a wonderful man, and they were wonderful parents to me. They um, set me such a good example. I was telling Pastor, uh, I never heard an argument in my home growing up. Mother always deferred to Daddy and whatever he wanted to do. And um, the only argument I heard started, and it lasted for 15 seconds approximately, Mother had washed the communion set after church one Sunday, and um, it was on Monday she had washed it, and she was ready to have Daddy take it back to the building. And she said, would you please take this back? And he said, I don't want to do that right now. And she started to say something to him and then stopped. That was the only argument I heard in, uh, in all the years that I lived at home. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was interesting. But being, being dragged around and moving around so much explains why you're kind of, even now, always on the go and always looking for the next adventure. Well, it ga- and it gave me a wonderful background in culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, anywhere I go, I'm comfortable with the people because <laughs> I've been exposed you know what, to it all. What I appreciate about you is uh, how your adaptability and willing to kind of jump in wherever the Lord puts you. What, can you, what was the story about, uh, you, I think you went on a family vacation recently. And we're on a Segway <laughs> and went New Hampshire. Over. <laughs> we were in what New Hampshire. Ha- the last part of August, we were in New Hampshire, and uh, my son owns a condo up there in Lincoln. And so we went to Clark's Bears, and, uh, and they have the Segway rides, you know, at Clark's Bears. It's a lot of fun. And uh, so um, we decided, a, 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 another girl, it was her birthday, and we decided we would go on the Segway ride. And it was 45 minutes out in the back country, you know. And the right, and I didn't realize the guide was going to do this, but um, he decided to do off-roading, and so or off-trailing. So we were going over ro- roots and rocks, and you know, tree <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And I ended up thirty minutes into it, I ended up flipping the Segway. So I kind of heels flipped over. hobbled for about eight weeks. <laughs> I'm still hobbling a little bit. <laughs> but you'd do it again with an opportunity, wouldn't you? I don't know. <laughs> Kind of made my blood pressure go up, and I don't think that's very good at my age. So I'm kind of reforming a little bit. But uh. so uh, for those of you who may not know, this church here has has quite a history. It goes back, and it's changed. Well, you can speak more than this than, than any of us here. It's changed a ton from what it originally was. It originally was the Newport Church of Christ. Um, and so having been raised in that, and then while you were here with your husband, um, and it was still Newport Church of Christ, can you talk about like your experience here with this church and what the Lord showed you while you're here? Well, when we came here, it was in December of 1974. We were a Navy family, and um, the church didn't have the whole classroom wing on it. Um, the in the back back there and on into where the blackboard is that was the pastor's office and then across here were two sliding doors that would close and then a sliding door this way and then this was the kitchen and so we would have sunday school right in here and then if we had a potluck like today we would just open those doors and that made it um that but while we were here we added on the classroom wing and built that big building um, you know on the classroom wing and uh, we my family and I painted that classroom wing and we're involved in it wow. That's amazing. so tell us a little bit about because I know um, from what we had talked about 
when the Lord began to speak to you here in Newport, preparing you to move uh, to California in that time. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, when I was here, the, I, I just want to give a little background on the sure. Church of Christ. The Church of Christ is a, a very fundamentalist church, um, and they believe that that we need to reconstruct a church like it was in AD 33 when, um, you know, Peter got up and spoke. And um, so they, they didn't believe in an instrument of music in the worship. They, of course, don't believe in women speaking in the church. They, they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit today, like prophecy and divine healing. They believe in healing, but they believe that it just has to happen and God has to do it, you know, um, that God can do anything. But they didn't believe in prophecy and words of knowledge and the different things that some of the other churches believe in. So I grew up thinking that people who did that were um, not on track, you know, they were <laughs> needed to be saved. And <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, but Sunday morning, in, in January of 1977, my son was a senior in, in uh, at Rogers, and my husband uh, was in the Navy, and it was time for him to retire. And we were living in a house on K Street, uh, down near Eustis, and on this January morning, the ground was frozen, there was snow on the ground, it was a bright sunny day, very pretty, but it was freezing cold, and so I went out for a walk, and when I came back, I was on my driveway at my house, and this authoritative male voice spoke to me and said, you don't want to bury him here, that clear, you don't want to bury him here, and my reaction to that was, I don't know who you are, but leave me alone. <laughs> and I went to my room, and I had to kind of calm down because it obviously was something not of this world. And um, I, I just was kind of shocked by it. But when he came to me a few days later, because I had wanted to retire in Newport. I love Newport. I think Newport's one of the most beautiful areas ever. And uh, when he came to me a few days later um, and said, I want to go to California, your parents are out there. My dad had just had a stroke. And, um, and uh, he said, I believe our job opportunities will be a lot better out there. And um, so I just kind of rolled over and said, okay. So we went. And uh, so that was that. And then shortly after moving to, to California, talk about what, what did happen with your husband. In the Well, yeah, within two years and ten months, he was gone. He came home from work one night and died of a heart attack. And uh, so I buried him in a beautiful place overlooking, tree, you know, in the fall. It was the week before Thanksgiving um, with the fall leaves over, you know, and on a hill. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was good. So, so what was that process like of, like, not only going through... Um, the loss of your husband, but that at the same time, beginning to think about the Holy Spirit a little bit differently, beginning to think about the gifts of the Spirit a little bit differently? Well, it was all weaving together, kind of, you know, of course, I had that in my mind. I knew, I mean, I'm like, how do I explain this? I, I knew that there was something to it. I mean, I didn't think something was wrong with it. I, I knew there was something to it. But I didn't know what. I had to kind of work that out. And um, the, the the young man who did my fun our, his funeral, he and I had taken some walks and things. And I said, you know, because he would walk. And he said that he would t walk and talk with the Lord. And I said, you know, Brian, I really would like to do that. 
I'd like to walk and talk with the Lord, but I don't know what else to do but what I do. And all of a sudden, he said, well, you can. And all of a sudden, I was reading in my Bible. And um, I think it's John, um, oh, why would I go blank on a scripture right now? I think it's John 14, 21. It's in there somewhere. Where he says in there that, um, you know, if, if, a, if someone loves me and they're trying their best to do what's right, we will come and live with him, and the Father will come and live with him, and we will manifest ourselves to them. And I went, what? That means when I manifest myself to you, that means I'm going to touch you, or I'm going to do something to make you aware that I am there. And I thought, well, Lord, I didn't know that was there. And I thought, well, I want that. I want you to manifest yourself. To, I want to really get to know you in a, in a very close way. And, um, and so, how, so when you read that scripture, the Lord kind of brought that before your, your attention, and then you interacted with him on that level, like how did he begin to reveal himself in those ways? Well, it was a process because at the same time, I was going through widowhood and raising the children. I had uh, two children were out of the nest, and, one, and two children were still at home. I had a daughter in high in, uh, like a, a junior in high school, senior in high school, and then I had one. Christy was um, almost 12. And so I was busy with all of that, and I just continued with my life as I knew it. Um, just mulling these things over. And then I was, um, when he died, I didn't have any income at all. I had spent five years working for the government. But um, my, I don't know whether I signed off on it or didn't sign off on it. or I, I just don't remember how it happened. But the long and the short is I did not get any of his government pension. Okay. And he was, he was at, uh, enlisted at the time of his he passing, He was enlisted, right? yeah. yeah. But I, and so I had no income from the Navy. I still had my medical benefits and things, but not the income. And then I didn't have his salary because he wasn't, that was him. He, you know, didn't work. I got his closing salary, but that was it. So I real quick had to empty the house out. I mean, just, I had to, real quick, I had to get out of the house and rent it and then uh, get an apartment and, um, um, so anyway, so I, I was dealing with all of that, and then I needed to go back to work. I told the Lord, I'm going to go broke if you don't do something. We were tithing the full 10%, and I had been for quite a long time. And with the Lord's help, I didn't miss any of my tithing. I, what about that interesting experience you were telling me about um, when you had become ill for a time and the way that that had balanced out, and you connected it with... Um, well, that was downstream a little bit. Can we come back to that in a minute? <laughs> we can come back to that in a minute. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got two things going here. <laughs> um, so let's see now. Um, so anyway, I'm trying to work my way through surviving, you know, and the Lord picked me up and put me on a rocket uh, career-wise. I went back to, the, to work in the Department of Defense. I was picked up with, and you military people will know this, with the Defense Security Service. And um, they did, for a long time, they did the background checks on the military and the, govern, and the government civilians and civilian contractors who were working on a classified contract. So I went to work for them. And in that professional position, I went from a 5 to a 7 to a 9 to an 11 and I did all that in three years. And then 
I had done well in my schooling when I went into the basic training and I was picked up. Uh, they did, the, the school wanted me to come on as an instructor. And so they downgraded the position to a thir the 13 position. They downgraded it to a, uh, let's see, I come on as a 12, 13, and then they downgraded it to, a, to 11 so that they could pick me up. So, I mean, through things, the Lord just, boy, did he take care of me. So, like, within about six years, I was a... Um, I was a GS-13, which provided for me to be able to go back into the house and things like that. But, um, so you want to go back to this other thing. So what happened is about, I, I would say, uh, just a few years after my husband died, I got lonely. You know how you do. And, you know, I was single and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I got tired of being lonely and, uh, and, and did some things I shouldn't have done. And... Um, came down with chronic fatigue syndrome. And if you've ever had that, that is a absolute nightmare. You get fibromyalgia, you can't. I worked for a year with fever um, because I couldn't leave, I didn't want to leave government. You know, it was too good to leave. And um, so anyway, yeah, that's, and so I asked the Lord, I said, how come I got sick? And he said, well, whoever the Lord loves, uh, whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. And I thought, well, I don't like getting spanked. <laughs> but sickness is not tied to sin always. I just want anyone here who's had any illnesses to know that that doesn't mean that if there's been an illness that it's because it, you've done anything. But with me, that's what happened. He spoke to me very clearly and, and made it clear. Yeah. Um, actually, I, when, I, when I was asking about that, because um, you were talking about being sick at one point. This is earlier, back upstream. Oh, back. <laughs> mm. okay. Okay. You, you had gotten sick, and so the medical bills had come in that somehow had balanced out, and you saw it well, as no, connected that, to your time. Well, that's the result of that. With the chronic oh, okay. fatigue syndrome, I, had, I left the teaching team and went back to um, California and sought alternative health care because chronic fatigue syndrome is a virus, and the doctor said, I don't know what I can do to help you. If there's anything you can figure out, go do it. So I went to alternative medicine doctors, and uh, insurance doesn't cover that, so I had to pay for that. And so, um, so I paid them at the alternative, and then what was left, I would make my contribution. So I didn't give my 10% like I felt like I should during that period. And so then that happened one year, and then I did, had to do it again a second year. At the end of the second year, when I was doing my taxes, I realized that what I had spent on the alternative health care and what I gave to church combined was 10%. Like, do you get it? Doing the math? <laughs> and I thought, Lord, this is not good. I wonder if that was true the first year. <laughs> so I went back and I looked at what I'd spent on the doctors and what I had given to the church and the combination was what I would have normally spent had I been healthy, what I would have given to the church. It was my 10%, which I said, I get it. On that note, I said, I get it. And, um, and so I never again didn't give my 10% because, you know, in, in Malachi 3, in Malachi, is it 5? Malachi 3? Malachi 5 is 3. Okay. 
He says on there, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't open the windows of heaven for you. That's the only time in the Bible that he challenges us to do that. And I'm telling you, I am, I am a witness to that. And I, I won't, I mean, I've just told you I've gone through this rocket process with civil service. It even got better because when I was on the teaching team, I got off of it because I was sick. But I went to the field and they, would, they kept me as an adjunct instructor. And so they would bring me in to Baltimore to teach our new reps um, the discipline that I was involved with, which was the computer portion of how to secure a system to process classified. And then they would bring me in about three times a year to different hotels all over the country to teach. And um, so I was doing that, and um, I had an opportunity to teach my generals. And so my generals... Um, after I had taught them, then I was helping to draft a, cor a cor by then, uh, well, I was helping to draft a, a cl an, an ad advanced class. I'd, we, I'd been kind of the mother of drafting the first class, and then this, I was drafting an advanced class. And so I, I was in Baltimore working with that, and the gen one of the generals came to speak, and he said, well, because I had told him I'm going to put my papers in to retire. And he told the class, he said, we're not happy that she's retiring. Well, I went out in the hall and I said, if there's something you need for me to do, the Lord had spoken to me on the plane going to Baltimore. And he said, you're single. You can move anywhere. You know, don't get too locked down. So I went out in the hall and I said, you know, if there's something you guys need me to come and do, you let me know what it is and I'll come do it. And he said, it's too bad you're not willing to move to Washington. And I said, I am. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, if you want me to. And he said, count it done. So I went to Washington, and I got my 14 out of it. Um, you know, I mean, all you Navy people that are here know that was not exactly the promotion structure they should be going through, but... We don't need to repeat that. And I've been retired 15 years, and everybody's getting old. So, you know, we can let that go. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, God, God's bless, he, God bless the socks off of me. He, so, okay, can, can you um, – so jumping back to this, this kind of like transition, because you talked about the stance of like the Church of Christ, how um, – they're very kind of closed off to any of the spiritual gifts mentioned throughout the New Testament. Right. Um, and then the Lord began to call your attention to those things and show you some new things. And did you kind of wrestle with that? Because your whole life training, your parents, everything um, was against that. So did you kind of like wrestle with that? Or was it easy for you to kind of step into that new realm? Well, I didn't wrestle with it. And I'll tell you why. Once the Lord speaks to you, and he's spoken to me another time. I, there was a second time. It wasn't nearly as dramatic. Uh, actually, it's, there's been three times. But um, when I was on the job once, I went to a company, and I got, we were testing out how to dissolve discs in acid. And a drop of that acid got on my finger. And he said, go to the, the voice said, go to the nearest emergency room. So, you know, I said, why should I do that? You know, I'm not always cooperative. 
but I found out I should have, and so I did, and the Lord helped fix it. So, uh, so we were good on that. The third time is I had been to NSA for some training, and um, on a, on the computer on a computer operating system and some of the things that were needed, and. Um, so then I had, I had a big seminar thing that I did. I, my field, the, my field was, um, San Diego County and Los Angeles County and up in there in Orange County. And a couple of us that had that area, another guy had the same kind of thing, only, you know, more north. And so we got together and we would get all of our contractors together about every three months or four months or something like that, three times a year, and have a big seminar because teaching people what to do is better than going in afterwards and, you know, having to deal with them. So um, we would always work together to keep everybody up and on track so we didn't have our companies getting in trouble. But... Um, anyway, I was scheduled to speak at a huge government, uh, it was one of the big corporations in Los Angeles that did a lot of government research work, and there were about 120 people in the audience, and I was going to have to talk on what I had learned, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I am with you. Now, you know, you don't wrestle with what God can and can't do when he's talking to you. So I didn't wrestle with it. I thought, how can I transition out of this and learn a lot more about this? I mean, I knew that this was not going to go over well. And um, my, my, some of my family really, um, they thought I really had lost my religion and was going the other way. And, you know, just because I was doing that. But, um, but, but you can't go, you can't go back. When God speaks, I mean, that was so graphically clear, you just can't go back. And so while I was in Los Angeles out there living in, um, I was, I was in Los Angeles for a while. While I was living there, um, um, I went all over Los Angeles seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit and seeking how to use my gifts. And I just flat thought it. I, and I, I went to, um, a vineyard the mother church out there in Anaheim, John Wimber's church. And my cousin had recommend I get some soaking prayer from when I was sick. And, um, and they prayed over me, but things stopped the healing. I could feel the healing going through my body and then it stopped. And they said, what happened? And I said, this voice came into my head that this doesn't happen today. I was so mad. I couldn't see straight. I went to my apartment and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, Everybody meant well in my background, and they love the Lord with all their heart, and they have taught me so much about the Bible, and I am so grateful for that, but they were wrong about this, and I said, I need to pursue it. I think that's so interesting, because even in your book, you mentioned how this whole experience of like learning these things caused you to kind of become more ecumenical. In other words, more inclusive with other um, denominations and other types of believers, because yeah. even the Church of Christ itself, um, most probably are not aware that in mm -hmm. the early 1800s, there was a movement called the Stone Campbell Movement, and this was a unity movement. It was started by, by men that were looking at the church and, and seeing, you know, Lutherans here, seeing Presbyterians here, seeing Baptists, seeing all these different denominations and saying something's not right with this picture. 
And so they started this movement that was a call to acknowledge one another as the collective body of Christ. We are one church. We should not be so segregated from one another. And so it was a movement to call the church together. And so it went on for decades. And then the original founder, his son, kind of carried it on. And before that original founder even passed, what had happened was in this movement, some of the, they, they began to grab a couple key doctrines that they said, okay, well, what defines the church? Okay, well, baptism has to be this, and uh, women cannot speak. So they began to cling on to these things when they said, well, these are non-negotiables. They got away from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified and raised again. That's the one non-negotiable. And then they gra- began to grab these other things. They say, well, no, you have to believe this. You have to believe this. You have to believe-. And all of a sudden, they began excluding people so instead of a unity movement, it turned into something that was pushing people away, and this one, this one movement turned into three, three new denominations. It turned into the Church of Christ, the Disciples of Christ, and then the Christian Church. And so the original founder, or the, the, the one who originated the movement, he saw what had happened with this movement that he began, and he lamented in his, in his final days on earth, the very thing I went to try to cure, I only contributed to instead because they isolated themselves. But I think this is interesting, going back to your story, Carolyn, because as the Lord began to call you out of the church of Christ, your experience, it brought you more inclusive again to the whole body of Christ. Now your, your eyes and ears and your heart was open to the collective body. What is? I think that we, uh, the Holy Spirit is dropping the walls between the churches. I mean, you know, in Texas, the Methodist Church put a baptistry in, and, you know, now the Church of Christ is allowing women speakers in some of their things, and half of them now have a Saturday night service with an instrument. And, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of blending going on where, um, where you focus on Christ. There, there's things that are non negotiable. There are. I mean, we all need to believe that Jesus died on the cross. We all need to believe that he was raised again. You know, we, you know, we have things that we have to believe. But um, some of the little stuff, you know, I mean, it's more important to love our brothers and sisters and, and work with our brothers and sisters than it is to get tied up in nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, anyway. Um, so as we kind of near the end here, um, I wanted to ask you about this one more experience that you had had um, when you were, uh, we talked about that confrontation, when someone had come into your life and tried to call you out on something really about, about leaving the Church of Christ. Yeah, the, um, the, I, my children call this my dark period. It's why I, I met a man who um, went to church with me and uh, took him in as a boarder. And uh, I was five quarts low on hugs, so, you know, that didn't work. <laughs> I, I've, I, I mean, it's all in the book, so I don't think we have to hide this stuff anymore, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he was there, and the Lord spoke to me all during it, Carolyn. This isn't right. This isn't right. You're not doing right by his soul. You're not doing right by his, your soul, you know. How, anyway, and I, so I didn't feel right about it at all. Um, but it was what it was, and when you're involved in um, male-female kind of relationship things, that's really strong. But So I was trying to, you know, break this all off and everything like that, and uh, 
on a Saturday morning, he and I had gone um, out looking for him an apartment. Oh, we were going to fix this thing, you know. And someone came over to have lunch with me and really, you know, just how can you do this? Where? How can you not go to the Church of Christ? Um, you know, don't they have a female leading the singing where you're going and all this other stuff? And I hope you're going to be in heaven with the rest of the family. And, you know, they, they did an axe job on me, quite honestly. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. I'm not made out of concrete. You know, I have feelings, too. And I just said, to heck with it. No, I, I said, you know, forget moving out. I'm, I'm done with this. I mean, I never missed a service at church. I was just struggling with something right then. But um, I just anyway. think that's um, it's that interesting work? to note. Yeah, it's interesting to note that like while you were living this way, and the Holy Spirit is bringing the conviction because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That we don't have to try to convict one another. The Holy Spirit's working on your heart, working on your heart, and then someone steps in, not so concerned about your heart and what you're dealing with, but more concerned about where you going to church. And that very thing, when that person came down on you, instead of drawing you to, to, to move according to where the Holy Spirit is guiding you, that pushed you back to where you came from. Yeah, and we can cause more damage deeper. on one another. Yeah, it was so critical and so ugly that it, it, I, I, just, I just threw it in my hand. Mm. So yeah, the, the people saying ugly things can really be destructive, mm-hmm. especially at a time when someone emotionally is very critical, you know. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we need to be loving. Yeah, and in Romans chapter 2, it it says this. It says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so when we come down, like you said, chopping each other up like like, uh, like we're attacking one another, that's not reflecting the heart of God. That is not conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is us being judgmental and, and, and legalistic, and that is only doing more harm than good. That's really opposing the work of God in one another's lives. And that's not who we are. That's not what we want to do. Um, Can I tell some other blessings I've had financially? Please. Okay. Of course, I got, you know, in my career path, the Lord let me float up pretty high, and I was very grateful for that. But listen to this. He helped me. I sold my house in California in the height of the market. We bought... My, we had we owned, we'd only owned the house for two months when my husband died, so I had to get out of it. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to give up what you love in order to get, you know, in the long run. So um, I made about 700% on that house that we bought. Um, it was amazing. And then, and I'm going to tell you this, my, my mother made great sacrifices married to my father. She just let him do his thing, and he died at 67. Mm-hmm. And they were mission; they had been missionary, domestic missionaries, and a couple uh, named the Voorhees had been sponsors and contributed financially to my parents. Well, after my my dad died at 67, and at, right after he, about the same time my dad died, Mr. Voorhees' wife died of cancer. And uh, he was well. He he was wealthy. He had been a, a contractor and um, had built a shopping center and you know some things. And he and my mother both, without knowing the other would be there, 
went to this little tiny church service in a little church that was smaller than this one on a rainy night, on a Thursday night in Ramona, which was up in the hills above San Diego, and, and met and talked for the first time because my dad had always talked to him and my mother had always talked to his wife. Well, they talked together for this time and he lived two hours away. He said, I want to come back down in the morning and take you to breakfast. They spent the day together and history was written. They got married. Well, mother had 47 years with my dad and she had 23 years with Roy. He took her on a cruise. Mother had had sacrificed huge things with daddy. He took her on a, on a cruise every December for 22 of those years, I think. And uh, and ever to, if she saw a little bauble she wanted, he'd go buy it. You know, I mean, my mother was so blessed from that. And and as a result, my brother and I were blessed by it. So I wanted you can do some math, but if you figure I sold my house in California and then I got some things from that, and now I've just sold my house here in Middletown. And I made a profit on that. I bought it at the low end of the market, and now I'm selling it when it's on up there. And I want, I want you to trust God with your finances. I could almost get on a soapbox over this because of what he's done with me. He is no respecter of persons. He loves you dearly, and he wants to help. So go to Malachi 3 and pray over that. I, I, it's, I'm, just, I'm just recommending that. You'll be blessed. I'm, I'm I'm grateful for you sharing that kind of thing too. And I think you know it would it resonates with most with most all of us here that it's one thing for for us to say words into a microphone and then for that message to get across. It's another thing to look at somebody's life and see what lesson that life teaches us. And from from what you have learned from the Lord, from the seasons that He's brought you to, the the faithfulness of just kind of following that Spirit, even if it took a little while to come around and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. I never, I, I want you to know, I never missed church during that time. I was faithful. I just kind of didn't have it all together. <laughs> <laughs> and how many of us do? You know, what I mean, we're we're all in this process. That's why it's a it's a matter of really living in surrender, knowing that we don't have it all together. And if we think we do then our eyes are just blinded and we need to pray for God to open our eyes. And then as we begin to see and recognize, okay, there's, there's things that he's working on me, just let him do the work. Let him complete that work in us. So I'm grateful to the Lord for your life and for working in your heart that it was remained soft and teachable uh, through every season. Um, I'm grateful too for your instruction and kind of... Um, inspiration for us almost as like in a sense a mother over of this church from back in the 70s 40 years ago to today so your your words carry weight they're meaningful and I'm, and I'm grateful for them today I have a deep love for this church we we moved away in 77 but every but my children two of my children live here and so I get every year I would come back and see them but I would always try and come to church one Sunday and see everybody and get lots of hugs and things and love them I have a deep and I came back in 2012 it's when I bought my house in Middletown so I've been in the area since then and I, I love this church it's I'm and I'm thrilled that Pastor Ed and um, Sister Sulai are um, you know doing such a wonderful work here and all you sweet people well, we thank you, and, and I do want to um, be able to 
prayer, prayer of blessing, especially as you're going to be leaving in just a couple of days to head back down to North Carolina. Before we do that, though, would you would you pray a prayer um, over us as a, as a community of believers that oh, the I Lord will. would continue to, to teach and guide us? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for for this community. Lord, I love Newport. Newport's beautiful. Middletown is beautiful, and so is Portsmouth. And Lord, all this water and, and the wonderful things that we have here, I know, I know how much you love this church and how much you love this area. And I, I know that you see the faithfulness of all the people that have been in this church. And, uh, and Lord, in my opinion, this church is in better condition than I've ever seen it. So filled with your spirit and so working. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless each person here each person lord bless them in their lives i pray that you will guide them and uh, counsel with them in their rooms and show them what you want them to see give them strength lord and wisdom in all that they do continue to bless pastor ed and Sulai and the elders here um, that are making, helping to make the decisions. Just continue to work, Jesus, and let it flow. Let it flow out with Pastor Steve at Cross Point and Pastor Paul at Evangelical Friends and all the other pastors, the, the priests in the Catholic Church around, Lord. Bless each one of them. Let them be a light to their congregation. And let this island bloom and shine with, with your light. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for all that you've done. Bring healing, any healing that's, no, that, that, that's needed, Lord, into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And, and if, you, if you would, family, help me in... Um and praying for Carolyn as she, we're going to kind of commission her and pray blessing over her as she goes and takes on this new endeavor. Um, the Lord has put it in her heart to um, get trained up even further and get this doctorate and then go write curriculum to continue to train up and raise up ministers um, for the Lord. Um, so if you would, just as an, uh, an act of uh, a symbolism, reach out towards her and, and join me in prayer at this moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for being alive and well in Sister Carolyn Sugart, Lord. I thank you for carrying her through every season of life, for just demonstrating your faithfulness and really what it comes down to just being who you are to Carolyn. I thank you, Father, for the testimony that that, that, that carries for us to inspire us to keep looking to you, keep, keep just chasing after you and walking in surrender because you're going to bring us to where you want to bring us. You're going to do what you want to do in us. You're going to complete every good intention that you've begun within us. And I pray that very thing over her life now as she travels back down to North Carolina. Lord, I pray that you would continue this work that you've begun in her. You've spoken clearly. You've put this burden upon her heart, and she has accepted it, and she is moving towards you. So, Lord, as she goes, may your favor prepare the way. May your mighty angels surround her on every side, above and below, God, keeping her hemmed in. I pray that you would increase her insight and discernment and the power of your spirit within her. Use her mightily to train up people to know and love and serve you all the more. 
I pray your complete blessing over her entire family, Lord Jesus, that all together that they would grow in you and look to you, that you would be their hope above all hopes. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And as we prepare to close, uh, family, we're going to call you up for uh, communion will be available. And and as we do this, um, let's just thank the Lord, Father, for your sacrifice, for giving us your son. Thank you for shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our sin and allowing your body to be broken for our healing. We accept it. We take it in as an act of surrender and gratefulness to you. In Jesus' name, amen.